1: Broadcasting live from the Subaru of Gwinnett Studio inside the Sonesta Gwinnett Place Atlanta Hotel. It's time for Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. We are the cornerstone of security in the Southeast.
0: Well, hey, everybody, welcome to Case in Point, brought to you by Paradigm Security Services. I am Rick Strong, your host, president of Paradigm Security Services. And we're excited to be with you on today on Business Radio X. We're coming to you from the Subaru of Gwinnett studio located in the beautiful Sonesta Gwinnett Place Hotel here in Atlanta and Duluth, Georgia. Each week we plan to feature businesses in the Atlanta area, in Duluth, Gwinnett County, uh, and people that are within those uh, businesses while all businesses have security concerns, not all are about physical security, and we'll touch on that and all related aspects, somewhere along the way through security during the course of each show. My guest today, I'm very happy to have Dave Emanuel. For those of you don't, don't know him, he's Mayor Pro Tem of the city of Snellville here in Gwinnett County. Beautiful city of Snellville. What do they say about Snellville? Everybody is proud to be somebody in Snellville. There you go. And, um, you know, Snellville's what, got about 20,000 uh, That's population, mm-hmm. Uh It's grown a lot in the, you know, what, 70s, 80s, 90s, really expanded. Yes, it, it really grew,
1: as most of Gwinnett did, through the 70s and 80s when Gwinnett was the fastest-growing county in the country, and a number of years ago, we noticed that it kind of lost its small-town feel, and the uh, city council at the time started a group called STAT, which is Snellville Tourism and Trade, and... Uh, brought out farmers market upgraded our magazine and uh, tried to get events going on that really brought that small town feel together and it's been very successful
0: well, it's brought a lot of it back let me ask you what i usually is my first question who is dave Emanuel? um <laughs> where were you born what 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 got you into doing what you're doing and what do you do on a on a professional basis well i was uh born and
1: raised in the lovely city of new york Oh, Uh, one of those, one of those. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, got tired of the Northeast, moved to California for 14 years, lived in Southern California. And uh, it got to be a little bit much. The thing I found really interesting about Southern California is that the lifestyle there was pretty cheap. The only thing that was expensive was housing. And uh, that's changed over the years, but at the time I lived there. But people always seem to be aspiring to something that they really couldn't achieve and uh, I remember we moved to Houston for a couple of years and uh, I walked into a store and at the time I was making a living as a freelance writer and the guy said well what do you do for a living and I said well I'm a freelance writer and he said really and I thought here it comes because in California it would have been Oh, my father owns the magazine, <laughs> or my uncle won an Academy Award for writing something, and on and on and on. And this guy turns around and says, oh, really? What's that like? I've never spoken to a freelance writer before. And I thought, wow, you know, somebody that's this not... This is different. <laughs> yeah, somebody's not trying to play Can You Top This? So, uh <clears throat> You know, there was, I could see no reason to live in Houston, Texas, frankly. I can appreciate it's that. It's flat, Texas, it's, uh, but not Houston. <laughs> it's flat. It's hot. It's humid. And uh, kind of like the armpit. I mean, no, that's, yeah. no offense to
0: Houston. I'm a right. Texas boy.
1: <laughs> right. But, uh, and I had done some work for a magazine in Georgia. So uh, we got looking at our options and thought, I don't want to stay in Texas. And there was a lot about the Atlanta area at the time I really liked. And uh, we made a list and looked at pluses and minuses and said, you know, the list was so much longer of pluses for the Atlanta area. And we moved here in 1983 and wound up in Snellville uh, pretty much by happenstance. And uh, liked it and found 10 acres and we bought that, built a house. And then, (coughs) excuse me, I was uh, actually at the gym one day, and I was talking to a guy, and we were talking about current events, and I said, you know, it really bothers me. People complain, 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 and don't do anything. And I thought, you know, you just described yourself. (laughs) So uh, I volunteered for the appeals board in Snellville, and I thought I'd like to get involved with the city and see what's going on. Yeah, maybe I could help. And at the time, Snellville was in one of its dysfunctional, periods with the city council and it literally took two years before the mayor called me and said well we think you'd be better on the planning commission so they uh approved me for the planning commission I served two years on it and uh one of the other council members said you need to run for city council and I thought you know I'd never been involved in politics before and I thought well why not so fortunately uh I ran on a pose, which anybody running for election, boy, if you can run on a pose, that's the best way to do it.
0: (laughs) It's hard to trash yourself, isn't it? Yeah, it is.
1: It is. So, uh, I'm now on my third term uh, as city councilman, and uh, last year I was elected by the other council members as mayor pro tem, which is a great sounding title, but all it really means is if they can't find the mayor, they call me. They call you. (laughs) Well,
0: it's an honor to be selected, though. Sure,
1: sure. Yeah, it is. And... uh, it's, it's been, I think, really rewarding. We've made a lot of, I think, really positive changes in Snellville. We're starting on our town center. Uh, Snellville never had a town center. It just kind of grew up at the crossroads of 124 and 78. And uh, it was a mercantile center. And uh, people would come literally from miles around to purchase whatever they needed for their farm, for their house and then over the years it just kind of grew became a bedroom community and as with pretty much every place in Gwinnett County people are looking more and more for a small city where it's the I hate to use the term because it's overused but it's live work and play people want to something comfortable yeah and they want to be able to walk to where they want to go so they don't have to get in the car and drive and park and uh, there's still going to be some of that certainly but uh, you know we're looking at like pretty much every city in Gwinnett uh, a multi-use facility where there'll be living space above retail and uh, commercial and office space close by so you can walk to work walk to a restaurant and uh, never have to get in your car
0: you know, multi-use seems to be where it's at right now as far as especially when you can get into like the town centers like yours North right. cross swanee right um, there's been so much go on with the development in that area that, you know, that brings me up to the, talking a little bit about development and redevelopment. You know, it's changing the face of small cities all through Georgia. I know it's changing the, fec- uh, the face of Snellville. And, you know, what other things have you all done to help that atmosphere, And especially in the redevelopment area? I know development is big. You all have a wonderful site that's just come in there and, and landed uh, uh, right there in your backyard with the Amazon and is there other stuff that you got in the works or what, what else are you doing redevelopment is
1: tough because <clears throat> people always look for the new and uh there really isn't much redevelopment going on in Snellville at the present time and uh I think when this town center gets built that's when it's going to start because now you have something compelling and a reason to redevelop. Uh, like a lot of, of small cities, Snellville has been pretty much all residential with some commercial. And Snellville's unique in that uh, along Highway 124, it's the second busiest commercial area in the county. It's only uh, second to Mala, Georgia in terms of revenue generated. And you can get pretty much anything you want somewhere along highway 24 124 and if you drive by there a lot of times you'll see license plates from DeKalb County Newton County because people come to Snellville to shop so that's been one of the biggest advantages for Snellville having
0: that commercial base y'all just did a big redevelopment on that intersection
1: yes yeah that was done in conjunction with the state DOT Uh, one of the things people don't Often recognizes the fact that even though a, a street or a highway is within the city, it's not controlled by the city. Still a state highway. It's a state highway or a county highway. And uh, we were fortunate to be able to work with the DOT and get some things that turned it into a really nice intersection. We have a signal bridge instead of wires hanging across, and it really made the intersection a lot more attractive.
0: Well, I can tell you, traffic has definitely improved over what it was during construction. oh yeah oh yeah
1: and even even before construction the only oh yeah the only excuse me only issue we have is it's it's a unique intersection in terms of the uh displaced left turn and uh i had my drone up the other day taking a picture taking some pictures actually uh for use by the cid and i thought you know while i'm up here i'm just gonna run some video so people can see how it works and What are the chances that the time I put the drone up and shoot video, a car comes up 124, past all the signs that say no No turns, and turns right into the oncoming traffic lane? You know, it's just, uh, I, you know, I don't know what part of no turns is difficult to understand. But, and that happens on a pretty frequent basis.
0: It's ahead in places other than where it should be. <laughs> yes, yes. And, <laughs> and the sun's not shining where they are. Exactly. <laughs> you know, and coming from law enforcement, I totally get it. Well, I've been, I went through that the other day, and it was, you, if you haven't been through it, you need to stop and think. Because the tendency is you mm-hmm. want to make that right turn. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's, God, the signs are all over the place yeah. to help you do that. But it's just not paying attention. Right. It's just doing right. what, you know, what you want to do when you want to do it. It's exactly. not a good idea in that intersection. <laughs> no, that's, that's for sure. Well, you know, go ahead. do you have something else you want to No, say?
1: that's, uh, you know, it's, it's been, I think, very successful in moving traffic through Snellville. That intersection has
0: approximately 100,000 cars a day while going through it you'd never think of it in that small area but you know that's and that's a lot of traffic and a lot of the traffic the idea is to get it to stick around a while and Mm -hmm. shop and and all that and speaking of traffic you know traffic's a challenge throughout the region and yet there's no clear solution and it seems to be the fallback is outdated technology that type of thing so you know that seems to be the preferred approach what are your thoughts on that well, I've
1: uh, I've written a number of articles and actually spoke in front of the uh, Board of Commissioners about their current proposal. And I've always thought that the only thing missing from the current proposal with extending heavy rail is that the mode of propulsion hasn't been specified. And I think if they specify t- steam engines. They'll have the perfect 19th century solution to a 21st (laughs) century problem. (laughs) Pretty much. Uh, Again, you know, having grown up in New York City, uh, I've got a pretty good handle on heavy rail-type transit. And to me, the core problem with MARTA is that MARTA has 38 stations. The New York City subway system has 426 stations. Exactly. So extending MARTA into Gwinnett County simply gives more people the option of taking a transit system that doesn't take them where they want to go makes no sense and at 250 million dollars a mile that four miles will cost a billion dollars that billion dollars would pay for 600 micro transit routes for 16 years that's a lot and and that would obviously you can't have 600 microtransit routes because you'd have buses running into buses but but it's the idea of what it could pay for exactly right? so you'd break that down to maybe 200 and then you spend the rest on bus rapid transit bus and uh some of the other options that the
0: bus uh, rapid transit <coughs> is really a, a the way that they've done it with the dedicated lanes in some cities and all that and the traffic control Mm is really a pretty good way to
1: go i think so and and frankly you could have brt is the common uh, mnemonic for it but you could have brt literally tomorrow it wouldn't be the most convenient because there's the uh, stops aren't there but you take a you take a bus you put it in the controlled access lanes on 85 and 75 Mm -hmm. and you could get people uh moving in very short order there'd certainly there'd be some legal stuff you'd have to go through and and get some uh plans put together but you're not looking at building rail building highways it's already there and i think somebody living along the route would gladly drive two three four five miles in the wrong direction to get on the bus stop and get into Atlanta. And you know, the other problem I see with heavy rail extension is it only serves a sliver of the county. It does nothing for intra-county transit. So spending a billion dollars to extend the MARTA system 4 miles into Gwinnett County doesn't help me get from Snellville to Norcross, Snellville to Sugar Hill, Snellville to Buford or any any other city to city
0: transit then you're still doing the regular old bus stuff
1: yeah and and again if you took that money and put it back into bus service that would handle intra-county transit uh, I think you'd be a lot further ahead but uh, to me unfortunately the the current plan that was approved by the county commissioners includes long term uh, the four miles of of MARTA extension. And then, you know, the other problem I have with it is MARTA, like all, (coughs) excuse me, public transit systems, operates at a deficit. It's only supported by tax dollars. And in MARTA's case, I think the operating budget in 2019 was $762 million. Revenue was $141 million. Slightly off. Slightly off. So you have you have a system that is being supported. Eighty percent of the operate, total operating budget is being supported by taxes and federal grants. So if Gwinnett County hooks up with MARTA, sooner or later, to me it's like marrying somebody who's $500,000 in debt. You know, that's pre-existing Eventually debt. Eventually
0: you're going to take on some debt.
1: Exactly. One way or another. And uh, you can have all the agreements you want, but you know down the road it's going to be well, you know, we have to do this, we have to do that. Uh, we have to pay our bills, and you're part of the system. So it may not be direct, but you have these bills to pay. You know, they've got $2.2 billion in outstanding bonds that have to be paid off. So the debt service is just through the roof. And I think I think Gwinnett would be a lot better off doing its own transit system and, and actually covering the county the way it needs to be covered.
0: I don't think there's been... Uh a topic in Gwinnett County through the years that's been any more one side or the other side than transit. Uh, the only thing everybody can agree on is we absolutely have got to do something in the way of transit in this County, Mm -hmm. Uh, the way it's grown, the expansion, the traffic, the, I mean, the people that want to move here, the businesses that want to come and have some type of direct contact and transit to the airport. Um, and without having to you know drive in and get on there's just got to be some way to do this to get everybody together and and you know right now it's just i don't see a way well it's it's difficult because
1: transit is successful when it takes you from where you are to where you want to go exactly in new york city the subway system is Frequently, just the easiest way to get there because there's no parking. So if you drive in, you have nowhere to park, or no costs, taxis. Cost you thirty, forty dollars. Yeah, <laughs> you have to, to fight
0: the taxis for the for right. the roadway.
1: Right, and and uh, it's just it's just the most convenient way to do it. So when I have to drive four or five miles to get on a MARTA train, and then when I get to my closest to my final destination, I've got a 10 minute walk or an uber or a lyft ride or something else why not just drive
0: well it's hard to get 10 minutes to where you want to go if you're at a bus stop right right so and that's walking driving you know it's yeah. easy with a drive but you know and i'm the kind of person that's always driven myself mm-hmm. uh, I, I did marta uh, i used to travel a lot uh, doing teen transports and stuff and i did uh marta to the i drove to the Dorval station and took marta to the airport and i did that for a while and finally i just i wanted to be, leave when i wanted to leave and wanted mm-hmm. to, i wanted i'm a control freak okay <laughs> I'm, I'm an a and i like being in control of what's going on in my situation and a lot of people are like that but then a lot of people aren't they want they want that convenience sure which uh somewhere along the way you got to come in the middle and you got to meet
1: well you have to do that and and i think you know marta's ridership is dropping like public transit everywhere yep and uh i think with autonomous vehicles on the horizon uh let's face it it, lyft and uber are relatively inexpensive now what happens when they're autonomous And you're not paying a driver and i think you're just going to see ridership continue to drop on public transit when there's more convenient operations and frankly i i could see a day where you have little column transportation appliances Mm -hmm. that do the micro route can come together hook up run down 85 as a unit into a final destination let's say it's atlanta and then split up so you're getting door-to-door transit now if i can if i can get door-to-door transit why am i going to walk drive run to a marta station so that i can ride and then walk drive run to my final destination you know
0: according to the Jetsons, we were already supposed to be in air cars by now I know. I don't know why it's taking so long. I, 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 I don't get it. You know, we're, we're still looking at how do, we, how do we bring a train in here when we're supposed to be flying to these locations. That's right. Well, community, community pride is strong in, in many Gwinnett cities. And I know Snellville, you've launched, launched Snellville Clean and Proud to keep the streets clean and, and building awareness of you know, litter problems and organization and litter pickup campaigns and stuff how's all that going how's that developing
1: well it was going really well until we got hit by covid and uh you know it's kind of difficult saying let's go out and get together and pick up litter uh, we actually have another litter pickup scheduled for uh, two saturdays from now and the city has through this clean and proud program has adopted oak road and it's amazing what you find when you go out and pick up litter. And Oak Road's relatively clean. But uh, first time we did it, we picked up 33 garbage bags full of litter. Wow. Uh, I think I found enough nuts, bolts, and washers to build something. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you, just a whole variety of different things that people just discard Toss. out the window. Yeah. Now you get a lot of face masks. Yeah yeah face masks and gloves are the yep. are the latest and uh you know it's it's really unfortunate that people aren't more aware of the the effects of litter you know it uh it it it's a shame it's a problem for for some animals who get into the litter and uh it gets in our sewer system and it it does create a lot of problems it's more than just unsightly it uh it creates a lot of problems for the environment and Frankly, it's it's not that big a deal to hold on to a piece of paper until you get something you get home. Yeah. You just, and you, dispose of it properly. And, and part of what we're trying to do with Clean and Proud is just build awareness. And, uh, you know, the fact that you didn't throw that piece of paper on the ground doesn't mean you can't pick it up. And, you know, unfortunately, with some of the things that are going on, I tell people... Try not to pick it up unless you have gloves on or something, because you never know what's on it. And uh, fortunately, the fentanyl thing seems to have subsided somewhat. But I certainly wouldn't want anybody going out and picking up something and
0: it's coming in contact with something like that. No, it's it's like the old well in what you're talking about about being unsightly. <laughs> not at all. It's like the the old Superman comic thing where they had the, him lecturing the kids about throwing a bubblegum wrapper. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, there's just mounds and mountains and mountains of bubblegum wrappers. And, so, and it, it's true. It's the more, you know, it's not just your little piece of paper. Right. It's a combination of everybody doing their part. Mm-hmm. You mentioned COVID-19, which is, you know, the response to COVID-19 has created a lot of confusion from our so-called experts. And it seems to change every week, uh, whether something works, something doesn't work, something is good, something's bad you know how are y'all dealing with that over in Snellville
1: well we uh we suspended our meetings for a while uh then we we came back with them with social distancing and masks and uh that's been what we've been doing uh so far uh the problem I think is that this coronavirus is unlike anything that we've seen before and uh, Typically, we would have seen it go away in the summer months, which it hasn't and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of confusion because there's so much politicizing of the issue uh you know exactly. my my thought is it really doesn't hurt me to wear a mask, and you hear the well, you're breathing your own carbon dioxide I think I can handle fifteen <laughs> minutes of carbon dioxide, but you've got bad breath, yeah <laughs> and uh and I think it's to me. Why not wear a mask? It doesn't hurt anything, and it's not like you're in a in an N95 mask, which is really tight uh, for hours on end. You're, you know, you're in. I I wear one when I go out publicly. Uh, I don't know if it does any good, but it certainly can hurt. And uh, the cities in in Gwinnett have a weekly conference call with Dr. Arona, who's in charge mm-hmm. of the. Gwinnett, Newton, Rockdale Public Health Departments, and her standpoint is social distance, wear a mask, wash your hands. And I asked the other day, to me what's really mysterious is how it's transmitted, and I don't think we have a handle on the most frequent form of transmission because it went from droplets in the air, respiratory droplets in the air, to respiratory droplets on surfaces, and then when you contact the surface you get it on your hands and you put your hands on your face and you've you've and got it. it
0: and then it doesn't live long on surfaces and then it, it does doesn't stay long. in the air right. and it dissipates with sunshine Correct. and the air is great get outside and i will stay at home yeah and i i think part of, part
1: of the problem has been the mixed the mixed messages that well this is an essential business you know i really don't know that going to home depot or lowe's to look at patio furniture is really essential but those were deemed essential businesses. They stayed open. A lot of businesses were closed and frankly I would rather be in a restaurant where every other table is vacant than in a grocery store. Oh,
0: absolutely.
1: <clears throat> so, you know, I, I again you have this mis- mixed messaging and I don't I don't go much for conspiracy theories. <laughs> but either. you know, you gotta look at this thing and all the people it seems to come out every day more and more the people pushing the vaccines have a vested interest in vaccines so I'm going to tell you you need we can't do anything until we have vaccines for everybody and when we have vaccines for everybody I'm going to make a couple million dollars out of it (laughs) Uh, there might be a conflict there
0: (laughs) well just a little bit I know one of the things that really I guess irritates me the most about the whole thing is You've got a lot of people that just get up on their soapbox and, and really start preaching and condemning people for one decision, the way you do it or another. Or A good example is the people that really uh, raise hell about somewhere like Costco requiring masks. You know, the bottom line is, the way I look at it, is if you don't want to wear the mask, don't go to Costco. Mm-hmm. If you want to go to Costco, wear the mask. You know, you have a choice of to, whether to patronize something or not patronize right. it. You and so you make your decision. Just because somebody else has a different opinion, our problem today is we have no tolerance for other decisions in a lot of, a lot of areas, a lot of particular. Yeah, that's, that's ideologies. Right. That's uh, that's
1: correct. And uh, you know, I think the other thing that people miss is I go into Costco, I don't wear a mask, I get the virus, and I sue Costco. Yeah. So why shouldn't Costco require masks? Because they're doing it for two reasons. It's their liability. It's their liability and and to protect people. And again,
0: what does it hurt? Yep. I I have no problem with people that, I mean, uh, if I don't want to wear it and I don't want to go in there, I just don't go in there or somewhere else. Exactly. It's not that big a deal. If I need it that bad, put a mask on your damn face. Mm -hmm. But uh, I guess really the other thing is all this stuff that's going on. And you've got you've to got push to defund or uh, diminish or unfund police departments. I know I am, of course, being retired, a, a tremendously big supporter of uh, the blue, of our police officers, law enforcement, and my standpoint, well, before I get my standpoint, <laughs> how do you feel about it? <laughs>
1: i am reminded of of a phrase from the 60s because there was a back then there was also an anti-police movement and and the phrase that always comes to mind is if you if you don't like the police next time you have a problem call a hippie call a call call a crackhead yeah exactly (laughs) and and i don't i don't understand it it's kind of like saying You know, I got bit by a rabid dog, so therefore we should eliminate all dogs. It makes no sense. And oddly enough, one of the reasons people like moving to Snellville is because of our police department.
0: We have uh, awesome, a good chief too. Yeah,
1: I think we have the best, the best police department in the southeast, if not the nation. Of course, the chief
0: comes from a pretty good location that I'm familiar (laughs) with as far as department, but.
1: and and we did things the things that people are clamoring for now, uh, we did voluntarily years ago. I think we we were one of the first police departments to have body cameras on all police officers, and I remember thinking at the time these people were saying, "Yeah, we should have all these police officers wear cameras." And I'm thinking, "Yeah, we should because then you'll see the real deal."
0: It's, you also it, you also see what they don't do that you that people are saying they do. Correct. It's more important than. I'm all for catching people doing what they shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what law enforcement does. That's is right. They catch people doing stuff they shouldn't do. But uh, there's a lot of stuff out here where they're they're raising total hell. They're making a lot of complaints that really doesn't happen just to get their five minutes of fi- uh, fame. And unfortunately, it causes a lifetime of injury to the officer.
1: Yes, it does. And, and there's so much that goes on with a police stop. Uh, you know, and our chief... Will constantly use the example of a police officer pulls pulls over a car. There's a man and his wife and two kids in the back seat. Is this a high risk stop or just a normal risk stop? And people say, Oh, that's a that's a normal to low risk stop. And he said, Well, the situation he's aware of, the officer got out, walked up to the car, the guy opened fire and killed him. Mm-hmm. And no stop is a low risk stop because exactly. you never know what you're going to find and I don't know what, uh, you know, I, I don't get it, frankly. Uh, you have somebody who's holding hostages. Well, you know, we're going to send a social worker in, and he's going to talk the guy down. That's not going to happen. And I think there's just unrealistic expectations of what non-police people can do. You know, I mean, am I going to go into a domestic dispute unarmed? Not a chance because. That's the most dangerous. Exactly. That is the most dangerous
0: situation law enforcement handle. I can tell you firsthand.
1: Yeah. No, there's no question, because something that's just an argument between a husband and a wife turns violent in and a they, heartbeat. Both of them turn against you. Right. In right. a second. So I think, frankly, I think a lot of this is a criminal element and a, uh, an element that just wants to run wild, anarchists, that are using a legitimate protest as cover. Because when you look at what's been going on, uh, what did burning down the wendys in atlanta accomplish absolutely what did, what did nothing
0: shooting that eight-year-old girl accomplish
1: right and and the thing that i find is that only certain encounters are objectionable uh, weekend after weekend people are killed in chicago nobody complains about that why not it's been going on for years. I mean, Chicago is the poster child for violent neighborhoods, and it's really a small section of the city. Absolutely. But year after year after year, it's, well, there were 40 people shot this weekend and 10 died, and 50 people shot this weekend and 12 died.
0: Nobody's, Look at Atlanta in the last two weeks. Right. <clears throat> it's just gone crazy.
1: Yeah, and, and I think when you get law enforcement out of it, you're going to have more of that. And you I will. think New York City is going to pay a hell of a price for what they're doing. Oh, they already are. Mm -hmm. It is shot up 300 percent, 400 percent in some areas. You know, in New York City, it has virtually been impossible to own a handgun since 1911. They passed something called the Sullivan Act. Mm -hmm. And over 100 years of handguns being illegal, uh, I mean, you can get them under certain circumstances, but for the most part, you can't. So after 100 years of handguns being illegal, the logical conclusion is there is no handgun crime in New York City. Right. And I think if you look at the statistics, you'll find something completely different because criminals always have guns.
0: Criminals are going to get the guns no matter what the the law-abiding person Mm -hmm. does. I mean, that's just the fact. That's right. And, And you, you know, you look
1: at people in Chicago and they say, well, that's because they go outside of Chicago to get the guns.
0: Okay. why don't they have the problem outside of Chicago? It's not a gun problem. It's a culture problem. It's a culture problem. Exactly. I know that uh, having dealt with law enforcement for so many years, been in those positions, that, like you say, every traffic stop is a legitimately, you just don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. That's why the, the fingerprints on the trunk. That's, that's why there's so many things that are developed in here as a backup for right. at least recognition later because you just don't know. That's correct. And, and we're in that situation now.
1: Yeah, and I think the more, the more you allow that to happen, the more it's going to happen.
0: Well, something better happen to get this stopped and turned around, uh, because if it doesn't, I mean, it's out of hand now. Mm-hmm. People don't realize just how bad it can really get if this doesn't get stopped. Um, nothing personal against the people doing it, but you have the uh, Black Lives Matter that and that did the march at Stone Mountain and all, walking around with their handguns and. And that, walking around and protesting, I have no problem with. Mm-hmm. Getting up next to somebody in a car and trying to intimidate them, I got a problem with that. You know, why should I have to be, be worried about getting intimidated and being talked to like that just because I'm going somewhere down the street that they want to walk in the middle of the damn street? Right. So. Right. Well, <coughs> excuse me. Um, thank you so much. I could well, I could go on talking with you for <laughs> probably another hour. But unfortunately, I don't have another hour to talk. Mike will cut me off in a heartbeat. So um, let me just say thank you for joining us on Case in Point, presented by Paradigm Security Services. And remember, you can join us live every Wednesday at 1130 in the morning, or you can listen to our show anytime you want by going to businessradiox.com, clicking on the Gwinnett Studio, then click on Case in Point. We are, please go to any of your podcasts, uh, iHeart, iTunes, any, just about any podcast uh, platform you can get and subscribe. let me know that you're there. let me know that you have at least uh, interested in some of my shows and uh, you'll learn something. Remember the most important thing about this voting season coming up into November. It's not necessarily which party you vote for. Be informed before you vote. Pay attention to what you're doing. Don't just vote a certain way because your daddy or your mama or your aunt or your uncle or your sister or your brother or, you know, twenty for 100 years we've been a certain party. Go out and research a little bit and find out what that person is actually standing for and what they say. And then cast your vote with an informed decision. Anyway, join us next week at 1130 when we will talk with business leaders about their businesses and related security issues in today's world. Thanks again to my guest, Dave Emanuel. Thank you and for I having really me. I really appreciate it very much. Good luck to you, what you're doing, and, and you know, fantastic luck to Snailville. And uh, I love the Evermore CID. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a great CID. So um, uh, thanks again to my guest and for our producers, Mike and Amanda and JJ. And I'm Rick Strong. And remember, at Paradigm Security Services, we cover more than just your assets.